Welcome to another episode of Old School Thoughts, and thank you for all that you do to make this podcast possible. Again, I am Frank Goodman. And Martha. Well, you know, Martha is the co-host now, so, (laughs) you know, we're we're falling in line with this thing, and we're going to get it right, right? So, look, Martha, I called Martha this morning. I woke up this morning, and I was thinking about Juneteenth. I've watched so many ads showing up on television, talking about what celebration and all of these things taking place concerning Juneteenth. But what bothered me this morning is that I had this strong concern about how we're going to possibly be bamboozled, you know, to forgetting what Juneteenth was about, how it impacted the lives of some of our ancestors and whether they were our direct ancestors what happened to those Africans in America as they were being told we're free so I'm going to ask Martha to kind of chime in on this because I, I, I passed some things on to her about what do we want people to remember you know never to forget so I'm going to pass it on to Martha and give her a chance to kind of open this up and then we'll just go with that conversation. You know, Frank, you're right. When you called me this morning, I really hadn't given Juneteenth very much thought about its impact. And I think what you were referring to is that sometimes when we're given a holiday, we kind of take it as a day of celebration and not necessarily a day to remind us of what it took for us to get here. And I started thinking about it in terms of, first of all, we wouldn't have this celebration if it wasn't for an ancestor, an elder, an elder that pushed for it. But I think the elder pushed for it out of the respect for her ancestors and her elders to say that we should be recognized and this this day should be recognized as the day that we actually gained our freedom, not through the emancipation, but through this actual order that came through the federal troops to Galveston, Texas, to say all people in Texas are now free, that are black or who had been enslaved. So it got me thinking about a lot of things. And like most things we do, for instance, like Martin Luther King's birthday, we do in some ways do community events, but very often the general public, and I mean that by black community, takes it as a day of rest and a day of celebration and a day of not doing much of anything. And I think we need to move that along and try to push us forward to think about how we can support the overall community of blacks in America with a collective idea to not forget about what it took to get us here and what our ancestors put down, those roads and those roots that they put down that allowed us to pick up and move forward so uh, you know it got me thinking and i think this is going to be a real interesting discussion that we're going to have here frank well look this is my thing and what i'm really concerned about the jewish community they have this thing down pat when you talk about the holocaust they they are in unison on what they think how they go about talking about it how they recognize the survivors how they think about those who were killed. But when 
we are talking about Juneteenth. And it is so easy to get caught up in all of these celebrations. What concert that they're having. Let's go to this concert. Let's go there. But you and I have spent several years researching our families, reconnecting with families, and all of these kind of things. But we have to remember as we celebrate that these were people who were released and told that they were free. No preparation for it, no packing up, no anything. You were out in the field, you were wherever, you were probably in the middle of getting a, a whipping. And you're told you're free. Now it's so easy for us to imagine that all of the people who were set free were young people. That they just start running. But we have to consider all of the years and the generations of people who had been enslaved. But then on that day of June 19th, you had people who were in their 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe 100, who lived their entire existence in that institution. So I, I, I just want people to understand that we have something to think about. We don't always agree on things because we don't have a forum that gives us the, the, uh, the opportunity to have these conversations so that we can reach an agreement. I'm thankful that we did reach the agreement on June 19th as opposed to celebrating, you know, 1863. That has nothing to do with us. But That's true. It, it has everything to do with June 19th. So, yes. you know, okay, I think you understand where I'm coming from. I, I got you. Let me make one point, though. Um, when we talk about the Jewish community, we have to remember when they went through their Holocaust, many of them were established and had businesses and had um, family ties that were connected. And so when they lost all of that, they have collective memory of a generation that survived it, that could tell what happened and how horrible it was. I think we are in a worse condition because we have had our captivity for so long that by the time we get to Juneteenth, you're talking about almost 300 years of captivity. So to come out of 300 years of being abused and um, co contained that's basically what we were. We were contained in a system that we had no control over. I think just to breathe fresh air that day was probably uh, the first thing someone thought about. But I think the panic set in shortly thereafter because, like you said, we had seniors, but we had little babies, little children, right. all set free. You're talking about four million people freed in America that had been previously listed as captives. Mm -hmm. And no plan in place to help them move forward and establish a life and um, become whole people again, or become whole people probably for the first time. So yeah, we should never forget, and I think we need to focus more on what it must have been like 
for those people to hear the words, but to still not feel that they were free. Right. Because I think that's what I, I, that's what I think would have happened. You would have heard the words. Somebody comes and says you're free and you say, yeah, okay, you know, I, I hear you, but I don't believe you. Yeah. Okay. And then the next day you just go back to doing what you're doing because you don't recognize that this is true. Right. So I think in some ways, maybe it's our fault that the elders, we shut them up so much that they didn't talk about it. And the closest thing we could get to them talking about it is possibly when we read the slave narratives. And and, and those offend me in many ways, but if you dig through all of the the, the terminology and the ways that they um, try to say we spoke, if you can dig through all of that, you can really get a picture of a slave's view of what it was like to be enslaved. Right. And I, I don't think enough Americans or black Americans in particular have ever read any parts of the slave narrative. Right. And maybe they should. They should go online and they should look up slave narratives and they should take the time and the patience to get past all of the way that it's written because they try to write it in the way that they thought black people spoke right. when they should have just wrote it, it out so in plain English so that everybody could understand the ho- horrendous thing this was that you felt you had no life and no where to go when you were su- finally told you're free so that's number one the second thing I'd say is you know we need to collectively agree that just by giving us a holiday is not a license to say that's enough you know we it's like giving us a spoonful of sugar to make the medicine go down but you know what you still got the flu or you still got the cold or you still got the malady so we need to work on fixing the malady which is sometimes outside of us and recognizing how we can go about identifying when people are trying to bamboozle us i think we live in a an age of denial where we don't want to hear bad things, we don't want to see bad things, and if you're telling me that, then I'm going to get stressed, and I'm going to just, you know, freak out. Well, you know what, let's freak out, get over it, and then you know what, let's get back to the reality, because you have to live in this world, and the reality is you have to be able to identify the pitfalls, and you have to, you have to understand how you got from point A to point B. You know, the history in America is taught in such a way that you think somebody came in 1619 on a boat and then there's a bunch of people that come again after that point because the slave trading was in effect. And then you go from that to, you, oh, you're emancipated. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of gaps in there. That's right. right. <laughs> okay, and that's probably why. And then we further those gaps because then we romanticize that he wasn't a bad slave owner or this one wasn't so bad or they managed to get through it. Yeah, they managed to get through it barely with their mind intact. So we we sometimes need to look at, if you're stressed today, can you imagine what the stress must have been when you were every day told to get up at four o'clock and you worked 11 hours a day and 12 hours a day, not by choice, but because somebody had said you had to do it. But you didn't have an off time. And you didn't have, you and didn't you had no off days time. off. You didn't have vacation. Right. You didn't have anything. Maybe they gave you a day or two around the holidays. 
you know, Christmas and New Year's. But yeah, that but you was had for no their benefit. Time. But you had no, no but off that time. Was, that was, but you still worked for them because you had to show up and you still had to cook and you still had to bring in whatever they needed. Right. So it's always been a, a sort of lopsided view that we have that slavery, we romanticize it or we neglect to understand the full impact of it. Right. You agree? I agree. And, and so how do we get... Because... You and I can easily be interpreted as you just can't keep those guys happy. They're gonna find they're gonna find something to complain about, right? <laughs> but there's a reality to what we're saying. It's not just a thought process. We're we're talking about history, and there's a reality to this history that people were enslaved for over 247 years in this country. Those who were surviving through this this institution were told that they were free. So I gave you the analogy earlier and I said, okay, just imagine having a job. You just received this job, a good mm-hmm. high paying job. You, you went out and you bought a home. You bought a brand new car. You took out a loan. You bought your children, your spouse, all of these things. And then you go to work the next day and now you're told you're fired. You're going to wonder, what am I going to do? I just bought this house. I just bought this car. So now take that and imagine a person who has lived 60 years, 65 years, 75 years in this institution, 30 years in this institution knowing that their parents and their great-grandparents are still alive and they've been in this institution before you. You can only see yourself following their footsteps. And now you're told on the 19th of June, you're free. You have no house, no property, no clothing, no anything else. To get even with you, you are told you're free. You have to imagine, yeah, you have to imagine that some of the people would turn around and say, I was better off when I was a slave. And you can hear that in the slave narratives. You can. And I think you also look at the reality that most of people who were captive didn't go far from where they lived when they were enslaved. Right. In fact, many of them often went to work for the very person that enslaved them or the family of the very person that enslaved them Mm -hmm. as sharecroppers. Right. And one of the things that I found interesting is that when you look at the Freedmen Bureau, you'll find that people who are former slave owners actually, in some instances, ran the Freedmen Bureau. Right. Ran parts of the Freedmen Bureau, and they are the ones who allocated workforce for former slave owners. Right. I mean, I find that appalling. Mm-hmm. Not only, I mean, that's like rubbing salt in the wound to me. Mm-hmm. Because not only is this person an anarchist, and this person is a seditionist, and this person is has rebelled against the very country that they call the United States of America, but they are forgiven. Right. And they're brought back in, and they are 
they should have lost citizenship but, for rebelling against the United States. But they should have been non-citizens. But aren't we seeing the same thing with the January 6th insurrection? Exactly. We have the same people that the Department of Justice have, you know, gone to court and charged them with a misdemeanor. They are now running for government positions. There, we just saw the situation yesterday, where one of the people who were an insurrectionist ended up voting against the election. Mm-hmm. Did not approve it. Right. You know, so we're already seeing it in play. We're replaying history right now. But the thing is, Frank, that we are seeing it, and every time there is a crisis concerning African Americans in, in this country, we have always seen what there's two rules that, that govern. The governing of how you handle someone of color versus the governing of how you handle someone who's not uh, of color. Right. Okay? There's two rules that are operating parallel to one another, and we see it all the time. Um, if, if a person who's not of color commits a crime, they say, oh, John Doe committed a crime, and we're investigating. Right. But if it's someone of color who commits a crime, or someone that the establishment is, deems is not someone that they want to give particular um, respect to, then their picture is flashed in the news. You see immediately that they're a person of color. And then there's a narrative that's created that this must have been a bad person. Except now that we see these are happening to even good people and they're finding it harder to create that narrative, but they still try to create the narrative. But we need to be alert to the fact that there are parallel existences going on here. And the fact that we need to not only teach ourselves, but remind ourselves that we shouldn't forget that there's a parallel going on here. That with emancipation and with the proclamation in Galveston of freedom, other things superseded. Freedom was given, but it was also taken away because the next thing you know is that uh, reconstruction uh, happens. A Ku Klux Klan is formed. And they rescinded. And they rescinded. Yeah, rescinded the 40 acres and a mule. That's right. They rescinded that. They removed all the people who had been elected to office who were black in the 